Pippa Fitzamobi has solved two murders without the help of the police, and it put her and her family's lives at risk. She vowed not to get involved again, but when a friend begins to act out of character and turns up missing, will she put on her detective cap again and embrace her sleuthing skills? The book, Good Girl, Bad Blood. The author, Holly Jackson. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit. Hi, readers. This is Alexis. And this is Kari. And you're listening to Let Society, a podcast about books and drama. So, readers, today I kind of skipped the theme of the week. I didn't do my job, but um, we're going to move on anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry from that. And we're just going to jump right into uh, the author in context. What do you think, Kari? What can you tell us about our author? So our author, uh, we did describe her in detail. Um, I'm really loving Holly uh, because she is someone that grew kind of out of this COVID stage, which usually produces, in my experience, really bad work. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we liked um, <laughs> the first of this series, which we read. Yep. What's it called? A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Yeah, that's a YA murder mystery. And uh, before we continue, I do have to say that if you want to know more about Holly Jackson, please go to that episode and also understand that in this episode, there will be spoilers for A Good Girl's Guide to Murder and Good Girl, Bad Blood, which is the second book in the series. Yeah. um, In this story, she does kind of play back into that book quite a bit, doesn't she? Yeah. And I'll touch on some things from the first book in the deep dive. So, okay. yeah, if you haven't read the first book or listened to the our, our coverage of it, our episode on it, um, then I do suggest that you wait on listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. And I, I do know that she got some inspiration for this book for some actual murder cases that happened in the UK back in the 90s. But she didn't go into detail about which cases those were. So, yeah, I feel like Serial Podcast also was in, she was inspired by uh, or it influenced her for this book series. And you can see some of that, too, in the way that the uh, protagonist finds the culprit. Yeah. Okay. Well, Although Serial um, did not find the culprit. Did you see that, Adnan? Um, the charges. Oh, yeah, I text you. Yeah, they didn't drop <laughs> the charges against Adnan, y'all. Listen, when I listen to Serial, sorry, this is the new theme of the week. When <laughs> I, <laughs> do podcasts really solve murders? So when I listen, let's just talk about this for a quick second. Can we do that? Yeah, we, we owed a conversation about that anyway. So let's yeah. do it. So listen, um, you and I were really into cereal when it first came out. And Mm -hmm. I'll stand by the fact that it's a really put together show. The reason why many of us podcast is because of cereal, because we um, were just so inspired by that true life crime drama, not drama, that real life mystery. But at the end of that show, after weeks and weeks, how did you feel? What conclusion did you come to, Alexis? I think at the conclusion of it, I was sure that he 
Um, I don't know if I was sure, but I was siding with Adnan. Yeah, because you always side with the man. Listeners, <laughs> you know Alexis going to side with the man. Especially when he has big doe eyes. And the first thought, as silly as it is, is could someone who looks like this do something like that? Yeah, that's a quote from Serial. Anyway, I don't listen to that show maybe 32 times. <laughs> oh my goodness. And Fanatic, <laughs> maybe. And my issue was always that, well, if he didn't do it, who did it? And how come he can't account for this little bit of time in his day, even though it was like a while ago, which I understand is really hard to do. Girl, we was lied to. That is not what this case was about. That made for great storytelling. This idea that, you know, did he make it to the Best Buy parking lot and da 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 and MailChimp? MailChimp. Listen. MailChimp. Listen, that part doesn't matter. (laughs) Whether he made it to Best Buy or whoever made it to whatever, that actually is not involved in the real case. Um, That little bit of time is not what he needs to account for. And the thing is, he can totally account for it. (laughs) Also, my issue was, well, why did he ask Heyman Lee for a ride home? He obviously wanted to get her alone. Listen. It turns <laughs> out because they said on serial that the he said in the police record, he told the police he asked Heyman Lee for a ride. And then later when um, Sarah Koenig, the host of the show, asked him, he was like, I didn't ask her for a ride. Well, it turns out the police called him when Heyman went missing. It was like, didn't you ask her for a ride? And he goes, did I ask her for a ride? And that went in as he asked her for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> little stuff. The little stuff that made me conclude at the end. Yeah, he did it because who else did it? I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I was... Nobody will be. Mm -hmm. Oh, you'd be surprised. A few weeks ago, he was not quite exonerated, although uh, his release did go in the book of like exonerations, as far as I know. Um, But it wasn't an official exoneration. Uh, What came out a few weeks ago is that there was evidence leading to two other suspects that were never even investigated. They was like, oh, you did this. Ignored. Right. Mm -hmm. Very suspicious. For example, um, Heyman Lee's boyfriend at the time was working at Lens Crafters and he was um, the police tried to contact him the day she went missing or when they started investigating her, um, her, her being missing. They couldn't get to him until like midnight, I want to say. And yeah, I'm being really loosey-goosey. For the truth, please go to Undisclosed, the podcast, season one. Also, Crime Junkie has an episode on it that gives you like a really quick and dirty recap of what Serial missed or misspoke about. Because Serial did get a lot of things uh, wrong. It followed a lot of leads that made no sense, but made for a good story. And it is still a really well put together podcast. However, mm-hmm. at the end of that show, I don't think we should have been on the fence like we were. And she was and so many people were on the fence. Even Sarah Hainick was on the fence. She could not make a determination. And that was what we were expecting at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, but I feel like that took that serial took podcasting seriously undisclosed took the case seriously and um i really enjoyed serial so i'm 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 not gonna act like uh, i didn't and and wouldn't listen to it again i would still listen to it again because it's a really well put together podcast it's a real, it was really entertaining 
But regarding the lives involved in the case, Undisclosed does a really good job about it. And there are a few others. We actually tweeted about that a few weeks ago. So back to this um, exoneration, almost exoneration. And one of the suspects that was never really looked into, uh, that current boyfriend of Heyman Lee's at the time, and that is the girl that unfortunately was killed in this case. Um, he worked at Lynn's Crafters. The police couldn't catch him until very late in the night. And he said he was at work. Now, what Lynn's Crafters be jumping up, you know, at 10 p.m. at night, 11 p.m. midnight. And None. we can't catch you till one in the morning because I was at None. the Lynn's Crafters. You know how I'd be at the list? No. No. Lynn's Crafters be no. a mall store that closed at like eight, maybe nine, maybe in a really good neighborhood that keep their malls life, open. Probably seven. Shoot. Turns out they called his boss and the boss was like, oh, yeah, I actually lent him out to another Lens Crafters and he was working there that day. Turns out the boss was his mama. And the the manager of the other Lens Crafters was his mama girlfriend who he later who she later married. Um, He used a different employee number. So we don't even know if he was ever there. Um, Then it turns out another suspect told me, hey, Man Lee, get this. I'm going to kill you. And yeah. no one ever looked into it because you got this Pakistani boy and we all know the Pakistanis did it. Yeah, This was the logic. <laughs> and this cost this man 20 years of his life. Well, anyway, um, the prosecutor, the podcast, first serial brought it. To hot, oh, so let's uh, be real, like Rabia, right? His uh, play auntie slash cousin. I don't know what that connection, but if you like, listen, if you a person of color, you understand. You don't need no explanation. That's auntie. Now, how she auntie? I don't know. But Rabia Shandri, uh, who is his play auntie, uh, never let this case go. She is an actual never. lawyer and she did the work that no one else did. She found other people online, other lawyers, other legal professionals who was like, hey, y'all ain't gonna look into this. She started working with them. She started a podcast with some of them. She started conversations offline. And yesterday or, or not yesterday, a few weeks ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Adnan Saeed, the prosecutor was like, not only go home, but we ain't gonna call you again. Case is dropped. Yep. But you got Case 20 years of my life. Anyway, y'all, uh, I just had to get that off my chest. Anything you got to say about cereal? About uh, I want to say that Kari's been itching to talk about this for a while. So I'm glad you had this space yeah. um, to talk about it. But yeah, I... I'm glad he was released. I I look forward to seeing who they're going to put up next to charge because the family, the family has suffered a loss and they want someone held accountable. They have been told this is the man. And so now what? In their minds, somebody has is now getting away with the murder of their child and they're saying it's Adnan. So they want to, they need to have somebody else put before them, um, to account for the murder of their daughter. It's really unfortunate because they put their, um, they had to trust the justice system to do the right thing, to bring to justice the murderer of the person they loved. And the justice system told them, oh, it was the ex-boyfriend for no reason. um, Aside from the fact that we don't believe ethnically he respects women. This is the implication in the case. Also, uh, we got this uh, friend of a friend from school that don't even go to his school no more. And that guy says that he did it. So he did it. okay? And they were like, "Okay, you've done your due diligence. I trust you. I um, don't necessarily speak English well. You know, I'm not you know, I'm kind of the newest to this country. 
And if anyone's going to get it right, it's going to be the American justice system. So that's a theme that I feel like we touch on um, also in the book that we read uh, that we're featuring Mm -hmm. today. Yeah. So I really feel for them because now they're back at square one and it just won't die. How do you grieve when it keeps being thrown in your face on an entertainment level, on a, you know, um, judicial level? You, you just have to keep reliving the death of your loved one. And that's Heyman Lee's family. Um, mm-hmm. When Adnan was released, they called the brother. and He's like, I'm at work. <laughs> and the judge was like, give him time. We'll take a recess. We want his statement. And he mm-hmm. said, do the right thing. <laughs> just please wow. do the right thing. <laughs> OK, yeah. Yeah. Find who killed my sister 20 plus years ago. Can y'all do that? I thought you mm-hmm. did it. What is this? Mm-hmm. So anyway, they released Adnan and now they're like, yeah, Adnan, we ain't even going to call you again because we're going to drop these charges. OK, sorry. That was a baloney case. Um, thank you for 20 years of your life. And meanwhile, Heyman Lee's family, uh, they have no closure. Um, Adnan and his family lost 20 years of his life. This is this is this is sad all around. There is no happy in this case. However, uh, yeah, we are always happy when folks come home from jail because we know what that's like. And yeah, I mean, prosecution has dropped all charges. This was we could say an innocent man (laughs) that spent 20 and he wouldn't. And this is another thing about the justice system. It's like poker. Like you can um, plead guilty even if you didn't do it and know that you're going to be home. Uh, on good behavior or if the prison system is full, which it always is. Uh, in half the time. In half the time. So Adnan could have been home. There were murderers for real, for real murderers. That was like, yeah, man, I did. It. I'm going home tomorrow. Adnan, when you going home? And he was like, yeah, I just won't ever go home because I'm not going to say I did this. So on principle, mm-hmm. he just never pleaded guilty. And because of that, they couldn't let him go. Because if you did it and you won't plead guilty, now we saying you did it. And you saying you didn't, that means you're not, um, you don't feel sorry. You're not remorseful. Thank you. Um, So we can't ever send you home. So he stayed in jail longer than he had to on principle because he wouldn't say he did it. He wouldn't plead guilty. Our justice system is filled with things such as that. I mean, we've had stories over at least the past 10 years, an increased amount of stories where people are being let go. And maybe it's longer than 10 years with the... um, uh, there's an organization designed to um, look at these some of these cases where people the Innocence Project. Oh, yeah. The Innocence in, Project. Yeah. Because they look at Adnan's case, too. And I, mm-hmm. I don't remember what their findings were. But that was another thing. I felt like because Cyril never followed up with that. He did it and they don't want to talk about it. They found they I shouldn't say oh. he did it. They found evidence that led to them. believe, But that wasn't true. The Innocence Project was still involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. Sarah Koenig, how come you didn't do an update? How come you didn't the, go back and do corrections of your show? Oh, yeah. man. So, yeah, the Innocence Project has released help to the release of lots of um, people of color um, who have been put in prison because of corrupt police officers and because of a corrupt justice system. So listen, Adnan was 17 when he was questioned Seventeen, and he wasn't really ever questioned. He was just picked up at the house. Mm-hmm. He just came home and the police was like, Hey, we going to arrest you. And he was like, what for? And they was like, we'll tell you at the station. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we know a lot of cases where well, we know too many cases where children were questioned without a parent or legal representative. Um, they signed things they didn't understand. They admitted to things they didn't understand, all being told they would get to go home. Not, Not only being told to, your home is prison now. Admitted to things that they were forced to admit to being held for extended periods of time and being um, things withheld from them, their parents, uh, water, you, right. you know, just some basic things just so that they can um, confess to something they didn't really do. Yeah. Um. So ending on that note, uh, this <laughs> impromptu theme of the week. Um. Yeah, you guys, I would say listen to Undisclosed Season 1 if you're interested in the case of Adnan Saeed. Um, versus the state. Um, also, Serial Season 1 is um, a great listen as far as podcasting is concerned, but just know um, it's not going to lead you down the right rabbit holes and it's not necessarily going to end in the way that maybe it should have. And you can't have all the facts when you're recording your investigation, but it also doesn't go back and correct anything. For the, for the facts, if you really care about the case, Undisclosed, um, is a great resource. And if you want to hear about it in an entertaining way, that is Serial produced by This American Life, who, I mean, they're the GOAT. Thanks, Kari, for that uh, theme of the week. I appreciate when you help me out on my job assignment. Uh, why don't we take a quick break um, before we come back and do our um, brief synopsis, okay? Okay, sounds good. Let's hear a brief synopsis without spoilers before our deep dive. Okay, here it is. So, and it's very similar to yours, by the way, what I wrote here. But anyway, this is what I got for y'all. Solving a real life murder mystery nearly cost Pippa her sanity, her family and her life. She vows to leave crime cases in the hands of the police. But when a close friend goes missing, she must decide if she's ready to risk it all again. Alexis, what were your first thoughts of Good Girl, Bad Blood? Well, I I really enjoyed Good Girl, Bad, uh, the first series, uh, Good Girl's Guide to Murder. So I was looking forward to um, diving into this one to see what our part two was like. How about you? Who do you think would enjoy reading this book? If you liked A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, you'll enjoy Good Girl, Bad Blood, possibly. (laughs) Look into it. Okay. Well, Kari, are you ready to take a spoiler-filled deep dive into Good Girl, Bad Blood? I am. And please note, I will include a link to Good Girl's Guide to Murder, our uh, episode on that book, in the show notes. So if you just found our show and you're like, they all over the place. We're usually not. I think it should also be said, we're recording from two different countries, you guys. We're like, (laughs) Alexis has absconded. Hey, that's what that word means. Her place in the States. She said, I do not want to end up like Adnan. And she has, uh, yeah, she's somewhere else. And I'm in Chicago. So anyway, without giving too much of her business away, let's get into this book. I'm ready. Part one, previously on A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Content warning. We are going to touch briefly on subjects of sexual assault. Only briefly, but you should know. So, you guys, if you remember the first book, <clears throat> let me relax. Um, you know that Pippa 
was looking for Andy Bell. And Andy was a girl from her school that went missing. What was it like five years before Pippa Mm -hmm. started this assignment? Pippa is about to graduate and she's doing basically her thesis. I forget what the capstone project um, on the murder. She's going to find out who really did it. Now, the town believes they know who did it. It was the Indian guy. <laughs> They're like, Sal did it. And so she's like, but we all knew Sal. And that just doesn't, that doesn't chart. So she found the real killer. Turns out it was a teacher from the school slash her friend's dad. Uh, it's messy. But that guy's name is Elliot Ward. So when we find uh, Pippa, when we um, are reintroduced to Pippa in a good girl, uh, good girl, bad blood, she is... Um, re-listening to her taped interview with Elliot because Pip sat in his face, heard him speak, and she never would have as- expected he was a killer, but he was. And that kind of like shakes her to the core. If anyone's lied to you in your face and you believe them, you like, what's wrong with me? Don't feel bad. People lie. But she's going to correct the narrative, the clean, neat narrative that the media is currently pushing because the truth isn't clean or neat. And she's going to publish a podcast that dives into the truth. So the media is making it like, yeah, a teacher at a school killed her. Um, everybody thought it was Sal. Let's all wash our hands of this and move on. And she's like, no, we're going to talk about the nitties and the gritties on my podcast. Um, so like I said, she's listening to this tape interview she had with Elliot Ward before he was convicted um, when Ravi rocks into her room. And it's weird because they're like not quite dating, but don't worry about it because they're going to be dating so fast. It's just <laughs> as you thought. He's going to blink and they date. Yeah, you know, they like went to a dinner and they date now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ravi has the perfect name for Pip's new show. A good girl's guide to murder. And she's like, ew, I am not going to contribute to the infantilization of myself. (laughs) But the name sticks. And so it's going to be a good girl's guide to murder. Yeah. So I feel like I should break down the original case. But honestly, if you want that broken down, just go to the book, right? Well, yeah, just do uh, if you could do a quick scam of who was um, the people that were missing or murdered and who actually did that. Andy Bell was a beautiful, popular girl at school. Uh, her body was never found. Um, they, uh, The whole town assumed that Sal did it. And then he committed suicide in the woods. Um, during this investigation, it turns out that a town drug dealer, Pippa, discovered um, and also that someone from their school was raping girls. His name, Matt Hastings. He's very wealthy, privileged. And he's like, I didn't rape them because they don't remember. She's like, you idiot. That's because you drugged them. And that's still rape. Uh, So also Becca Bell. Who's Becca Bell again? Why do I have her written down? Oh yeah, that's Andy Bell's sister. (laughs) So you guys, big spoiler. Uh, Mr. Ward, who's a teacher at the school, had an affair with Andy Bell. She blackmails him. He got scared. She came over to the house. He like pushed her forcefully. She hit her head. Um, She went home and she was talking weird because she was like concussed. And then her sister was like, I have something to tell you because her sister don't know what's going on. Her sister's like, Matt Hastings raped me. And Andy is like, listen, I sell drugs with Matt. So don't be telling nobody that you got assaulted because you're going to mess up the game. So Andy Bell starts having a seizure on the floor. And Becca's like, well, you don't care that I got raped. So in this split moment, 
I'm not gonna help you with your seizure. And she lets her sister die on the floor. And then like throws her body in a mm, cyclone. Throw her body in a cyclone. (laughs) (laughs) Is it too early for you? I mean, my God. What do you call them things at the farmhouses? And um, that's why no one could find it. I hope that Mm -hmm. makes sense. If y'all want a more coherent uh, synopsis, I told you go to the first episode, move it on. Yeah. Uh, you'll find it in the show notes. Very easy. Pippa has promised herself and her family that she won't be taking on another case. The investigation on Andy's murder. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> her body in a cyclone. Uh. <laughs> oh, my I am goodness. tired. Here mm-hmm. we go. Sorry, y'all. It's crazy early. I told y'all she don't even live in this country. Alexis is doing this to me. I don't know why. Okay. So, you guys, the investigation on Andy's murder almost broke Pippa and it caused pain for many people she loves. However, she's following the original case to the ends, to all of its ends on her podcast. Mm -hmm. Matthew's Matthew Hastings kidnapping trial is currently um, the topic on her in her life and on her show. And you might be wondering kidnapping. But I thought you said he was a rapist. Girls and guys. Um. Colorado's uh, statute of limitations is crazy. Like I looked this up and it's true. I think it's like three years. So after three years, you can't really charge people for sexual assault. So all they can try to get him with is kidnapping. It's wild. And then then on top of that, although Pippa had recorded him actually admitting to the crime, they couldn't use that in court. It's inadmissible. And that I get Mm -hmm. like you could have cut and sliced and screwed that um, recording and we can't accept that. And did you, I mean, was this under, uh, did he have legal representation? Like, what is this? I get that. But yeah, she does have him on tape going, yeah, I did it next. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so, uh, but he's in court wearing fake glasses. Like I need to be wearing y'all get blue light glasses. It helps with migraines. Um, so he's in court dressing, you know how they be wearing, um, little Christian suits and glasses when they want to look innocent to the jury. So that's what he's doing. And blonde hair, messy blonde hair. So, uh, it's a look. yeah, yeah, it's a look. So moving on, a service for Sal is being had in the community since he's officially been cleared of blame. Thanks to Pippa. And going back to that first story, y'all remember that Mr. Ward, the teacher, led Sal out into the woods, uh, forced him to send a text. Or actually, I think Mr. Ward sent the text from Sal's phone. Then made Sal take some pills, put a plastic bag on his head and left him out there. And the idea was to make it look like Sal took his own life and then suffocated himself. And if that sounds crazy to you, it sounded crazy to Pippa, which is why she found the real murderer. So anyway, um, so Mr. Ward killed Sal and Andy, uh, Becca Bell let her sister Annie Bell die. Mm-hmm. Now, part two. No, not again. So. Connor, <laughs> Connor, who's a friend, shows up to Pippa's door um, because Jamie, Connor's brother, is missing. He never came home from the memorial for Sal that they had in the community. And this was a memorial where they like released lanterns in the sky. Um, Sal's dad shared a few words. It was very touching. So it made sense that maybe Jamie had to go somewhere and like get his thoughts together. But then he never came home. Um, he's called, he's called hundreds of times, but no answer. Connor has called his brother. Um, and no one's heard from him. They've called the hospitals, nothing. 
Pippa saw Jamie after the memorial, by the way. Um, she says around 8 p.m. And he looked odd, like he was in a hurry. But everyone looked odd. They were all like a little out of it because there's lots happened in their town. So that's what she shocked it up to in the moment. The police can currently do nothing. They think he's low risk because Jamie has disappeared a couple of times in the past, but he always came back. Um, also, this time feels different to the family. But if you're not in the family, you like this boy be missing sometimes. Also, he's not a boy. He like a grown man. 24. And grown men can get missing if they want to. Yeah, he's 24 years old. Like, I understand you're worried, but we can't do anything. This is the police talking. We can't do nothing. Also, a little girl's gone missing. We got to look into that. And apparently it's only four people on our uh, squad. So <laughs> we don't have time for two cases. We're going to choose the little girl. So Connor is like, I think my brother's in trouble. And my mom thinks so, too. He's been acting weird for the last two weeks. And now we can't find him like that doesn't add up. Um, Jamie begs Pippa to pick up where the police uh, I'm sorry, Connor begs Pippa to pick up where the police have failed again. And she's like, I'm sorry, I can't. I lost my dog the first time and, you know, it nearly broke my brain. I can't do this to my family again. It's too much to ask. Please don't ask. So, however, she does agree to talk to the police. She's like me and the police got a repertoire now. I mean, they hate me. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. I need to get stuff done. So she goes to the police and they like, no, girl, we said no. And so uh, she's like, please, please don't make me do this again. And they're like, sorry, we got to go look for a missing girl. This 24 year old that's been missing for like, what, 12 hours, 18 hours. We don't have time for this. And so, um, yeah, they can't get involved. No crime has been committed. And it looks like Pippa has no choice. She must take the case. She will release the investigation on her podcast, The Quickest Way to Get Media Attention. She warns Jamie's family, Connor and his mom, Joanna. Um, if you're like, well, what about the dad? Yeah, we'll get to that. So anyway, um, she warns them, you might learn things about Jamie, about yourself that you didn't ever even kind of want to know. Um, so I have to make sure you're OK with this. And they agree. Um, Jamie's father and sister aren't participating. In fact, we don't even hear about the sister, even when they find Jamie. It's weird. They, I don't right. know why we wrote about a sister. Yeah, they could have left her off. <laughs> yeah, she don't need to be in this book because she just never comes up. But the dad will. And he feels like Jamie's missing by choice again. And I'm annoyed. This is the dad. Jamie's 24 now. He needs to get his life together. I'm not going to participate in this circus that he's creating. But Connor and Joanna are committed and they agree to Pippa's terms. They like sign a waiver and everything. And the interviews begin. So part three, the interviews. So Pippa heads to Jamie's home nearly immediately after talking to the police. Um, she grabs her stuff, her little uh, uh, microphones and audacity and laptop. She's like, I'm ready. And so uh, Jamie's mom, let's talk to her first. Yeah. So Joanna. So according to his mom, Jamie has trouble finding his focus. He's dropped out of college and feels left behind by like the town. Everybody, you know, everybody from high school is on their track and he still doesn't know what to do. Um, that now, Nat De Silva, you might remember from the first book because Pippa kind of implied that Nat had killed Andy, <clears throat> like out of um, jealousy and because Andy was mean to Nat. 
Turns out that never happened. Also, Nat was also assaulted by Matt Hastings. So to bring Nat into this, um, into Andy Bell's, that conversation, um, Nat felt was unfair and she really hates Pippa. But Jamie and Nat have become really close since everything went down. Um, Jamie's mom thinks he has a crush on Nat and she knows he was devastated when Nat got a new boyfriend. Um, She found him crying in his room and she just deduced that that that's why he was crying. He hasn't been himself for the last two weeks, which is just what Connor said. Um, He's been angry and tired and she thinks he feels like he's being left behind by the entire town and Nat. So it's like a lot for him right now. So maybe he went somewhere to get away. But this this is weird. Like, why wouldn't he at least call me? He wouldn't do that to me. Um, So it's obviously I mean, obviously, Jamie is her favorite child. The last night she saw him, his mom texted Jamie at 12.35 a.m. And the text was never read. You know how iPhones be snitching? Well, this text never was read. And so she's like, that's bad, isn't it? I thought she said never sent. No, she sent it for sure. And it was just never read. Oh, I thought she kept saying it was never sent. And I said, that's weird. She said received. Oh, I because even when the phone is off, you can still receive receive the message. Yeah, no, it wasn't received. And that's what it showed her that it was never read. Now let's interview Connor. So Connor agrees that maybe Nat's boyfriend was to blame for Jamie's mood swings. But then he seemed fine again for a few days. Then he was the worst he's been in a long time. It was like the last few weeks have been crazy because uh, we all went to the movies as a family. And I even saw him crying in the theater when he didn't know anyone noticed. But I noticed. Um, Connor also has noticed he's been sneaking out at night. Jamie has. And a few days ago, Connor like playfully snatched Jamie's phone away. He wasn't going to look at it, but Jamie violently threw him against like a wall and was like scaring him. And that's not like Jamie. Mm -hmm. So Connor confides in Pippa and the podcast listeners that he overheard an argument Jamie was having with their dad. And maybe this time it was about how dad thinks um, Jamie needs to pay rent, which their mom thinks is ridiculous. But the dad is like, you 24 living in my house, pay some rent. (laughs) Like do something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and but in that argument, the dad told Jamie, you're a waste of space. And Jamie replied, I know. Oh, coincidentally, yeah, coincidentally, Jamie's dad, Arthur, um, bought him a Fitbit for his birthday because he needs to lose weight. So when the interviews are complete, Pippa asks if she can search Jamie's room. And while inside, the mom is like, yes, it's a little messy. They open the door, stuff fall. They got to kick their way in. It's a mess. Okay. It ain't a little messy. It's It's messy. It's a lot messy. Half eaten food. It's gross. So when inside, she tries to log into his computer, Pippa does, with no success. Uh, There's trash everywhere, chip bags, discarded scrap paper. On one piece of paper, Jamie has written a name, Hillary F. Wiseman. Searching for that name um, on her own phone, Pip only finds an 80 plus year old woman who's now dead. Uh, Shout out to uh, Andrea Lansbury. I think that's her name. Did you know she was even still alive? Yeah, I knew she was still alive. And Angela Lansbury is the name. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just because you over there in her hometown, don't be acting (laughs) all Andrea Lansbury. Okay, so, um, so yeah. Why would Jamie have written that name down if that woman's dead and was 80 plus years old? Obviously, that wasn't a homie. So what is this? But Pippa discards it. She's like, let's follow another lead. She also finds a lady's watch in Jamie's room. 
and it's like a little old looking. It wouldn't have been Jamie's and Jamie's mom and brother have never seen that watch before. Now let's move on to Nat Da Silva. Um, now you remember Nat Da Silva is the one who hates Pippa, right? So Pip shows up to Nat's home. Um, Nat hates Pip for implying again that Nat killed Andy when she was still investigating the first case. She last saw Jamie, though, she admits, at the same time Pippa did on the night of the memorial for Sal. He was supposed to hang out at her home after the memorial, but he never arrived. And when they were standing at the memorial, he walked away from her saying he'd saw someone. And mm-hmm. Pippa's like, wait, he walked away at the memorial from you? And that's like, yeah, he said he saw someone. And so he walked away. What? So <laughs> Pippa asks more questions. <laughs> and um, and the boyfriend He's is there too. So Nat, yeah, Nat, um, when, when Pippa showed up at the house, Nat's boyfriend answered, was like, who are you? And she was like, oh, I'm a friend of Nat. And then when... Uh, they get in the same room as clear. They are not friends. And so Pippa asks more questions and Nat suspects Pippa of implying that Nat is involved now in Jamie's missing situation. And so Nat kicks Pippa out of the house and the boyfriend is like, you lied to me. You said you guys were friends. So um, also like um, Pippa asks both of them before she leaves what, where they were the night Jamie went missing. And something about the boyfriend's answer, the boyfriend's name is Luke, by the way, Um, The way that Nat reacted to the boyfriend's answer made Pip pause because it looked like he was lying. And um, yeah, like Nat picked up on Luke's lie, but was just trying to play it off in front of Pip. So Pip caught that. Moving on. Now let's look at some emails. The first episode of the second season about Jamie's disappearance is now published and emails have started pouring in. One listener sends a photo they took at the memorial minutes after Pip saw Jamie. So now they're trying to figure out who was the last person to see Jamie. Right now it's Pip. But now someone has a photo of Jamie after Pip saw him. And I'm saying Pip, you guys like um, Paul, uh, Ingrid, Paul. (laughs) Just so you know. Um, So anyway, Jamie is in the listener's photo and he's facing the opposite direction as the entire crowd. Like everyone's watching these lanterns being released into the sky. But Jamie is almost facing the camera. Who is he watching? Pip wonders. Who did he need to get to at this time so urgently? Who is the someone Jamie went to find in the crowd? Now let's talk briefly about Kira Ward. Uh, Kira Ward is the daughter of, quote unquote, Mr. Ward, the teacher that killed Andy. But before all of that, she was one of Pip's uh, best friends and still is. Mm-hmm. Poor Kira's got to go through her awkward life now. Her mom's dead and her dad's in jail for murder. So murder of a schoolmate, like it's messy. But Kira's trying to hold it together. Um, however, she is self-medicating. So she's been drinking a lot and not sleeping much. Since her dad confessed to the murder of Sal, she left Pippa a voicemail one night like blah, 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 blah. And all Pip could um, get from her when she called is that she was at a calamity party drunk. And Pip's like, oh, no, who poured your drink? Because, you know, we got rapists in this town. What are you doing? So uh, weeks after that, Kira um, kind of remembers seeing Jamie Reynolds at that same party. They call the party host, Stephen. And these calamity parties are like parties with alcohol that high school students have secretly without their parents or police knowing. So no one really wants to talk about who was at the calamity party. Pippa leaves a comment in the face group 
message, um, the Facebook, I don't even know Facebook, you guys, Facebook group message. So listen, they got a Facebook group. And in the messages, Pippa leaves a comment asking students wait. to share their um, videos and snaps, right? Is this the part? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you, Alexis. I can't read these notes. <laughs> she promises that if anyone contacts her with information about Jamie, she won't go to their parents and she won't go to the police. We're just looking for Jamie. Yeah. She, she just wants to, to see the videos so she can kind of check out the surrounding of what Jamie might have been looking at. Yeah, she gets a lead. One of the kids there saw Jamie, too. He was on the phone frustrated. Jamie was. Um, So she talks to that kid and the kid's like, yeah, I saw Jamie. He was on the phone saying stuff like something about a kid, something about a child. He was like, no, I can't do that. I know I said anything, but and then I don't know what he like trailed off. Um, But he said something about a child. He was saying he know he said anything, but. And then, yeah, I don't know what he said after that, but he did mention the police, too. It was weird. Um, But, you know, yeah. And that was around 1032 p.m. So now that student is the last one to see Jamie. Pippa and Ravi scour Snapchat videos and find Jamie in one of them. So now um, kids are submitting um, students are submitting Snapchat videos and they find Jamie in one of them clutching a cell phone at 956 p.m. So that. That checks with the story um, that at 1032, he was on the phone um, talking to someone. However, uh, like I said, calamity parties are parties for students. Why would Jamie, at his grown age, have been at one of these parties? So that's also in their mind. Like, why is he kicking it with kids? And me, I'm like, because he never made any friends. But they're like, no, that's weird, Kari. And I'm like, okay, I'll just follow your logic. You knew him better than me. (laughs) So now let's talk to Pippa's mom. Pippa's mom had helped Jamie get a job at her office. And so everyone thinks that Jamie is working with Pippa's mom. And side note, Pippa's mom is like, hey, Pip, stop investigating Jamie's um, disappearance because I don't want this to be like the first time. Mm-hmm. And Pip is like, mom, if he's missing and I did nothing, I couldn't live with myself. And so the mom was like, okay, girl, but she's like, don't get another dog killed, I guess. Whatever. So listen, when she finds out that Pippa is investigating, she confesses, look, I might as well tell you it wasn't none of your business, but now it kind of is. Jamie don't work with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And even Joanna, uh, Jamie's mom was like, he works with your mom, Pip. Well, now that they're alone. Yeah, yeah. So for the even for the podcast, Pippa's mom is like, hey, y'all, I'm Pippa's mom. Jamie don't work with me. He used to. Okay, he did. Not um, so much anymore. No, he, he, listen, y'all, he was fired two weeks ago because I caught him stealing the company credit card. Whoa. And it was so sad because that ain't even like him. And the last thing he said was, I'm so, so sorry. It was a matter of like life or death. I think he I said something I wouldn't have like done it if it wasn't a matter of life or death. He told Pippa's mom it was a matter of life and death or he would never have tried to steal the card. Pippa tells Joanna, uh, Joanna, Jamie's mom, and Joanna's devastated because she's like, what does that mean? So he said it was a matter of life and death and now he's missing. Pippa notices a photo on display um, from Jamie's birthday in their um, in Joanna's like living room. There is a knife rack in the photo. She looks at the knife rack and notices one is missing. 
Connor's like, oh, it's right here. And he opens the drawer. It's not there. And he's like, oh, no, that's because I washed it. And it's in the, and he opens this and it's not there. And then he starts frantically tearing the room apart. He's like, where is this knife? And um, Peppa's like, hold on, calm down. I just noticed it was missing. It's probably nothing. But in the back of her mind, she's like, oh, a knife with a yellow handle is missing. Be on the lookout. At school later, Pippa is going through more videos sent to her from the Calamity Party by podcast listeners. In one, she sees a girl, a girl she knows, and Jamie is tapping the girl's shoulder. The girl's name is Stella Chapman. Connor and Jamie plan to speak to Stella Chapman and Stella agrees to an interview. So here's what we deduce or no, this is what we learn directly from Stella Chapman's interview. Stella is adamant that she doesn't know Jamie. When he tapped her on her shoulder, he was like, hey, Layla, it's you. You changed your hair. And she was like, oh, boy, I don't know you. You 24 years old. You better get away from me. Why are you at a high school party? And and I haven't changed my hair. So this is weird. Bye. So um, he looked crushed, though, when she said this. She's like, yeah, I snapped on him. And then he looked really sad. But, you know, he was 24 at a high school party. I had to get away from him. So Pippa guesses that Jamie was being catfished. Someone was using Stella Chapman's photo. Y'all be safe in these streets because they is catfishing, folks. I was like, wow, at this revelation. I'm like, catfish? How how did she come to that conclusion so naturally? And she did, but it was true. Yeah, she actually Peppa's correct. So Mm -hmm. um, someone has been using Stella Chapman's photo taken from social media and has pretended to be a girl named Layla, but with Stella's photo. Jamie spotted Stella at the memorial and followed her back to the calamity party. And then when he got close to her, he tapped her on the shoulder and was like, hi, it's good to see you in person. Um, And she was like, what? Because he fell for someone online and it was all a lie. He then called, quote unquote, Layla. And we'll call her Layla. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I'm doing quotes, <laughs> I'm going to say Layla. So he then called Layla and told her, I'm going to the police. They find Layla on Tinder and it's Stella's photo with the hair color Photoshop blonde. Connor confirmed two months ago when Layla was born is when Jamie started acting odd. So when this Profile on Tinder was created. That's around the same time Jamie started acting real foolish. The only follower they recognize of Layla is Mr. Clark, their new history teacher at school. Not another teacher. Not another teacher. (sighs) So who he killed. mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're like, we got to go talk to Mr. Clark. But before we do. Let me log into a secret account, like a burner account, and I'm going to message Layla. That's getting old. I'll just call it Layla. <laughs> so Pippa's like, I'm going to message Layla from this burner account. <laughs> and so uh, Pippa message, messages Layla. Hey. And then they wait. Oh, she's messaging her on IG, by the way. Yeah. And so they wait. They wait and they get a response back. Two sentences. You remember what they are? Hey, Pip, you're <gasps> almost there. You're getting oh! closer. Oh my goodness, she knows. <laughs> Layla knows. Pip responds, Who are you? Where is Jamie? But she receives an error. 
an error. <laughs> Layla has disabled her account. Ooh. <laughs> New neighbors. Okay, you guys. So um, folks is moving out of the neighborhood because they like it's too much going on. So <laughs> one of the houses that was vacant, um, the Greens have moved in. Um, and they noticed the signs that Pip's been putting all over the neighborhood regarding Jamie's disappearance. They show her their doorbell camera thinking it'll help her case. It's from a few days ago. OK, by their gate, a man is entering. This is the greens, right? So a man is entering. He looks scared. He then breaks into their home. <laughs> it's Jamie Reynolds. But he only took one thing and they're like, we're not going to the police. He's already missing. We're not going to convolute this case with more information. It's fine. So he's like, it's just weird that he broke into um, our home, but it's my fault. I left the window open. Um, so the guy who broke in again is Jamie Reynolds. He only took one thing and they're like, we're not going to go to the police. He's already missing. We're not going to add to this, his issues by also saying he broke into our house. And people was like, what's the one thing that's missing? That watch that Pippa found in his room. So Pippa's like, I'll get you your watch, Mrs. Green. And Mrs. Green is like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> Pippa and Connor question Mr. Clark. Now they're at school and they're, they're uh, cornering that teacher. And Mr. Clark is like, ever since Mr. Ward, you ain't even supposed to be really talking to the kids. So mm -hmm. I don't know why y'all even here. <laughs> um, and he's like, I don't know anything about Jamie, okay, or none of this, okay? And so um, Pippa's like, oh, what about Layla? Because we saw that you follow Layla, who Jamie was talking to. And um, Mr. Clark, his something in his face changes. And he's like, nope, no, nope, I don't know Layla either. And so Pippa starts walking out the room and he's like, she's like, uh, that's weird because, yeah, we saw that you guys were messaging each other on Ooh. IG. He's like, OK, OK, just lower your voice, you little girl. <laughs> And so she was like, I would hate for that to get out. Why don't you just answer our questions? Um, uh, so he's like, listen, uh, I was talking to someone named Layla, but then I was in the hallways here and I saw Stella Chapman. Right. And I was like, oh, no, I'm talking to a student. Gross. And so he swears he didn't know the student, though. He doesn't have Stella in any of his classes, so he wouldn't have known that they had the same face. Also, he swears they only talked on IG, no phone calls. And during their conversation, she asked a lot of questions, but then she ghosted him. Um, he was shocked and confused. He was like, I thought it was going well. This is all before he saw Stella Chapman in the hallway. He was like, it was going well. I was kind of, you know, sad about it. Um, but then I saw Stella and I was like, mm -mm -mm. glad it wasn't me. So a fellow student named Tom approaches Pippa at school during their lunch. He says he saw Jamie at 1050. So now he's the last person to see Jamie uh, the night he went missing. Tom says he was going home from a friend's house when Jamie walked past him. Um, he's also really weird about telling this story. He's like, there's a lot of ums and uhs. And mm. so Tom saw Jamie go into a house. So he says it's a blue house, blue like Nat Da Silva's house. And he's like, yup, blue like that house up. Uh, Pippa, go get him. <laughs> but Nat said Jamie never showed up that night. Someone's lying. So the podcast is getting more moving on. The podcast is getting popular and a few Reddit threads have, are dedicated to the show. And one listener suggests that hey, Hillary Weissman is the graveyard where the woman was buried. Perhaps a meeting spot. 
that? And Pip was like, oh, I should have thought of that. Let's go follow the lead. So following that idea, Pippa and Ravi go to the graveyard for clues. And while there, they run into Stanley Forbes. Now, Stanley is like a freelance journalist. Yeah. Stanley? Yeah, he was actually the one who um, was saying kind of racist things about Sal in the first case. No, not kind of. Xenophobic, racist things about Sal. Yeah. And all his writings about the case. Yeah, he like called him a monster and stuff. And so um, he has since apologized to the family, both in the publication and a written personal apology. And he really does seem sincerely just devastated that he could have done this. But anyway, Pippa still don't like him. So Stanley Forbes is there and Stanley's like, oh, Pippa, weird. I'm here to see a pastor about a boat. And so <laughs> Pippa's like, oh, OK. <laughs> and Stanley looks taken aback before leaving, understandably, like he didn't expect to run into Pippa. He does remind Pippa that Hillary Weissman, because um, Hillary um, Pippa's like, well, we're looking for a possible meeting spot. Like, do you know who Hillary Weissman is in um, Stanley's like, yeah, you know her too. She's, or you know the family because she's the grandmother of Harry and Joe. Harry works as a bookseller, by the way, and Pippa does know them. Something clicks in Pippa's brain. Harry is one of the witnesses that saw Jamie after the calamity party. So moving on, two witnesses who saw Jamie after the party think he was wearing a black hoodie. Two others think he was wearing like a shirt that was a little lighter in color. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mrs. Reynolds tells Pippa that Jamie does have a black hoodie. And like from the front, you might think it's lighter in color uh, if he wears it open and it's dark out. But then from the back, you'll see it as a black shirt. So uh, they come to the conclusion that after the calamity party, before the witnesses saw him, Jamie had come home and changed his shirt. Mm -hmm. He also could have picked up a knife at the time. So Mrs. Reynolds, her face is like, she's so tired and Mm -hmm. so sad. Um, She finds a bloody shirt in Jamie's room. (sighs) It's the shirt he wore to his birthday. The same night Connor heard Jamie sneak out of the house. It's, It's got blood on it. Mm. Joanna Reynolds starts crying. She feels like she doesn't even know her son at this point. Her sweet, thoughtful boy. Um, does she does she know him like she thinks she does? It's like, I, I don't even know what he's going through in his life. She breaks down talking about how thoughtful Jamie has always been, how he and her are a team, she says. When he was very young, he even nicknamed me Joe Mama. So that way he calls me by my <laughs> name, I can still be his mama. Because he's she's Joanna, right? So it's Joe yeah, Mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And Phil was like, wait, y'all, Joe Mama? <laughs> uh, let's put that in the computer password. Because they still trying to get into his computer. Uh, they put in Joe Mama, no success. But then they put J- J0Mama66, which is the mom's birthday. And it works. Yay! After 700 tries. Yeah, (laughs) pretty realistic. So part four, web browser history. So um, Jamie's search history has uh, alarming things such as what counts as assault, how to fight, controlling fathers. Um, These were the searches the night he snuck out before getting blood on his shirt. Arthur Reynolds, the father, hadn't shown an inch of interest in the case. And so in the back of Pippa's mind, she's like, what was his part in it? Joanna and Connor agree that Pippa can take the laptop home to examine it further when suddenly an an idea jumps into Pippa's brain. The Fitbit, the Fitbit that his dad bought him that he hated. 
he still wore it and it could lead them directly to him because it's GPS enabled. Yes. The idea hits the mom in the chest and she's like, I'll go get the, uh, the user guide or whatever. And so they pull it up and they look at his heart activity for that night. Um, That data shows that his heart was racing in like a flight or fight mode, probably uh, before flatlining just after midnight. And Mm. they're like, does that mean? And um, Pip was like, no, no, no. He could have taken it off. We don't know what happened. This could just indicate that he's not wearing it. But in her brain, she's like, oh, no. Pippa looks further into the laptop, um, hacks her way into um, Jamie's IG account and mm-hmm. notices that he was DMing Layla. So he told Layla he was 29, about to turn 30. The same age, by the way, as Mr. Clark, the teacher. So seems Layla's got a thing for guys that are 29, about to turn 30. Um, But then he later came clean and he's like, I'm not this big financial guru. I don't live by myself. I live with my parents and I'm only 24. I'm so sorry. I've never felt about anyone the way I feel for you. She didn't answer. Time went by and then he's like, I'll do anything for you. And she responds, anything? Question mark. He's like, yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy you're responding to me. Yes, I'll do anything for you. And she's like, let's take this conversation offline. Give me your number. So unfortunately, because she didn't give her number, um, Pippa cannot follow their conversation. Um, It's in in Jamie's phone, wherever that is. Mm -hmm. So um, Pippa organizes... um, a search at the abandoned farmhouse where Andy's body had been de- decomposing for years. Um, Cause she's the, the Fitbit leads her to this location and she's like, maybe we can find clues. Maybe we can find Jamie. So um, some students gather and one of them finds a yellow handled knife in the field. They call the police and this is where Jamie was when um, his heart raced and then stopped. By the way, he was here obviously holding a knife. Uh, Pippa and Ravi enter the abandoned farmhouse while waiting for the police. After the police pick up the knife, Pippa, Ravi, Connor and Kira go back to the farmhouse alone and just like look around for clues. Inside are some weed smokers. Okay, some students that they know they're in their smoking pot and um, marijuana and um, Pippa confronts them because she's you know, she confronts (laughs) everyone. (laughs) And she's like, tell me what you're doing here. You're spreading your um, DNA all over a crime, possible crime scene, by the way. And they're like, hey, you, yeah, Pippa, whoa, like, this is, you know, this is too much now. Pippa, yeah. calm down. I mean, Andy's body isn't even in here. And Pippa's like, but Jamie's body might be. And they like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Wait, hold on, Pippa. Don't be getting us involved in your stuff. We don't want to be on your podcast. Right. And they're like, anyway, Pippa, you got to get out of here because our drug dealer, our, our the plug is coming and he's really mad because someone owed him $900 and never paid him back. And so now he's really mean to us. So Pippa, you got to get out of here before the plug is here. But um, Pippa's like, I ain't scared of no plug. Ooh. So um, Pippa like sees the guy pull up. Then they try to they all try to chase him, but they nearly crash their car. They got into a car chase in the book, y'all, a car chase. (laughs) And one thing Pippa notices is that the plugs a car is very similar to Nat Boyfriend's car. In fact, it's the very same car. Is the plug. Yeah, Luke is the drug dealer, you guys. He's like the older drug dealer. 
connecting these kids with the drugs. So there's a false alarm. Moving on. There's a false alarm. A body was found, but it's not um, it's not Jamie. So because everyone thought it could have been Jamie, Arthur finally decides to participate in the search. And he decides to have an interview with Pippa. It's a very short interview, but in it, we find out that, yeah, Arthur wanted Jamie to get his life together. He was showing him tough love, but he loves his son, he says. Um, that night that he had that big argument with Jamie that Connor overheard, it was because Jamie asked to borrow $900. And Arthur was like, I just can't with you, son. And Pippa's like, oh, how much? And he's like, $900, which is an, a ridiculous amount to give somebody. Especially when you ain't so getting Pippa's, a job. <laughs> and so Pippa's like, thank you, uh, Mr. Reynolds. So that, remember, that's the same amount that the drug dealer said someone owed him and he was mad. So uh, $900. So was that person Jamie? Yes, it was. So Pippa goes to talk to Nat again because now Nat's got to come clean about something. Her boyfriend's a drug dealer. This $900, does she know anything? Um, she is dismissed unceremoniously after suggesting that Nat's boyfriend is a drug dealer and Jamie owed him $900. On the way from Nat's, Pippa receives a phone call from Ravi and he's sorry. He's like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, what, Ravi? You cheat on me. I know you didn't. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Pippa, did you see the news? The verdict came back not guilty for Matt Hastings. Ugh. And Pippa's like, no, no, no. And she turns around, even though Nat hates her. Remember, Nat was assaulted by Matt Hastings. Mm -hmm. And Pippa doesn't want her to be alone when she hears the news. Mm. So she goes back to Nat's house, holds her while she cries and screams. So here we see a change in Pippa that will manifest itself throughout the rest of the series. Some may call it her transition from a good girl to a bad one. And I'll try to lay this out very neatly. First, she confronts a guy at school. Pippa does after um, leaving Nat's house and the next day at school, she confronts Tom. And you'll remember Tom was like, oh, yeah, I saw Jamie. <laughs> uh, he was wearing uh, a black shirt and he was going into Nat's house. Yeah, you right, Pippa. Maya. Well, it, she realizes Tom lied. <laughs> uh, why? No one really knows. Maybe swear, he just wanted swear. to get on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess. People. So, um, yeah. So um, his leave, though, took her down the wrong path and had her wasting her time. And it implicated Nat, which Pip never wants to do unnecessary, unnecessarily ever again. So um, she pours like some soda on his head in front of everyone. Um, that guy, it is assumed, then went to the press and told them a convincing story that Jamie isn't missing at all. According to him, Jamie and Pippa are in cahoots for a second season of Pippa's podcast. Pippa needed material. And so Jamie was like, let's pretend I'm missing um, and we'll split the sponsorship money. A few of fe fellow students at her school then confront her about it and ask, well, is Jamie really missing? And she is so frustrated at this point, so devastated, grieving the possible death of her friend. She pushes the student who's asking across the hallway and they're not asking politely. They're like, yeah, Pippa, you a liar? What's up? And so she pushes them across the hallway and just screams in their face. She's suspended. The suspension leads to her fighting with her parents, especially her mom and Pippa walking in the rain alone. Walking in the rain alone leads to a conversation with the neighbor who's like, why don't you come inside? This is Charlie Green, the new neighbor. 
um, come inside, me and Flora will make you some tea. And Pip was like, I just want to be by myself. And so uh, he's like, okay, you're all moody and you're a teenager. Fine. But at least sit on the porch so you're not in the rain. And she's like, yes, I will do that. <laughs> and they start talking. And so um, he's like, Pip, what do you care if you're doing? What do you care what everyone thinks if you know what you're doing is right? Just follow your heart. Like whatever, which is terrible advice. Uh, follow your heart. Do what you think is right. And who cares what everyone else thinks? And she's like, you're right, Charlie Green. I'm going to follow my heart and do what I think is right. And I don't care what everyone else thinks. And that leads her to publishing Matt Hastings inadmissible confession. So the, the recording, <laughs> the interview where he was like, yeah, I rape people, but they didn't remember. So it's not rape. And she was like, that don't mean it ain't rape, dummy. Oh, I hate you. She published that for all the interwebs to hear. And? And that leads her to breaking into Matt Hastings house while his family is out celebrating his not guilty verdict. Uh, breaking their windows and painting on the front of their house. Rapist. Rapist. I will get you. <laughs> These actions lead her to feeling happy and satisfied. She was like, <laughs> I was really stressed, but now I'm good. I feel better now. Hmm. I regret nothing. So there's her little transformation, you guys. Nat calls Pippa to the house, surprisingly, Nat De Silva, because she hates Pippa. Pippa's instincts were right about Nat's boyfriend. She's like, when you helped me when I was crying and you made sure I wasn't alone, I saw a different side of you. And I realized I've been t focusing all of my hatred and anger on the wrong people. I shouldn't have been mad at Andy. I shouldn't be mad at you. Let's be mad at the men. And so um, she's like, <laughs> she, <laughs> she man, woman, she, hater club, initiate. <laughs> So, but but this is like she woman man hater club. Yeah. So anyway, she anyway. woman man hater club. That's it. She's <laughs> she was like once I started thinking, and I was like, yeah, my boyfriend's lying. What else is he lying about? I went through his phone. Guess what? He's been seeing someone else, and guess what? Her name is Layla. Layla. So <laughs> he's been sneaking off to meet. Layla and sharing explicit text messages. He then went to meet her in person the night Jamie died or went missing. And Nat snuck into his phone and saw he was really angry after the meetup. So he went out to meet Layla and then he came back and was like, I'm going to kill you. And that's when their text messages stopped. So Ravi and Pippa go to speak with Luke. They like, we ain't ever scared, but we are kind of scared because he's scary. Um, and they go, who is Layla? Who is she? You know who she is. And Luke goes, I sure do. She owes me $900. It's Jamie. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, he got that figured out. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I went to meet Layla, you know. Yeah, I'm in these streets. And Jamie came walking out. And I was like, what? And so I'm mad. And Luke was furious and suspects that Jamie did this to break Luke up with Nat. Cause he's like, mm -hmm. Jamie obviously liked Nat and he did this to break us up, but it's really creepy. He came out the woods and was like, Ch child broomstick, child broomstick. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. And he looked at me all expectantly, like waiting. And I was like, 
I'm gonna kick your butt. And so <laughs> Luke had no idea what Jamie like was talking about. Child that. broomstick. I'm gonna kick your butt right now. <laughs> this is the real big scary drug dealer dude. He's like, I'm gonna kick your butt. And so um, <laughs> he starts chasing him, and Jamie ran away, and he didn't catch him. So, like all the other marks, it's weird because Luke is 29, about to turn 30. What mm-hmm. is it? What is this about? So back at the house, uh, Ravi and Pippa Google child broomstick, like on a hunch or just grasping for straws. Um, and then they're like, yeah, just as I thought this. Wait. Google's like, did you mean child Brunswick? Can you explain the case of child Brunswick, Alexis? OK, so the case of ju- ch- child. What? Brunswick. Child Brunswick. Child yeah. Brunswick. The case is. um uh father and son team the fa- the father had coaxed his son into um luring women young women in so that nope. he could kidnap babies them. children right young girls in so that he used the ten- his 10 year old son to lure children in so that he could murder them how old was the son 10 yeah so yeah the son the, the um, child Brunswick, as the media called him, because his name was never released because he was a child, um, would be like, hey, you want to play? Let's go play over here. And then the dad would take the kid um, and like my mom do is terrible miss- things. My mom is missing. Can you come help me find my mom? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was another way that they would, yeah, abduct children. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Um, this is the this is the case of child Brunswick. So the dad was sentenced to life in prison, but he was murdered mm-hmm. in prison. Mm-hmm. And then the kid was sent to juvie for a few years. But then they were like, you were just a kid. So we're going to give you a new life. And they put him in the witness protection program with a new name. So he's out in the world. The kid. Um, so yeah, that's child Brunswick. And so Pippa tells Connor what she suspects. Whoever Layla is has been looking for child Brunswick because that's why Layla only talks to guys that are 29 about to turn 30. And for some reason, Layla is convinced that child Brunswick is in their town. Jamie said child Brunswick expecting a reaction from Luke. Like, are you child Brunswick? But he didn't receive one from Luke. Um, so he went to the abandoned farmhouse and met someone that did react to Child Brunswick. And if they find Child Brunswick, they'll find Jamie. Part five. Snap footage Child Brunswick's. So there is a forum online where comments say Child Brunswick is in Fairview. This is an old forum. No one on the podcast knows about Child Brunswick yet. So there's like this, maybe it's Reddit, but they're like, um, yeah, Child Brunswick is in Fairview. And someone else is like, how do you know that? And they're like, well, um, I got this friend and the friend went to jail and the friend in jail heard from their cellmate that (laughs) Child Brunswick is in Fairview. So we're going to believe it. And so Pippa goes back through her notes from the first case and she recalls following Howie. You'll remember Howie was like a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. And um. And the photos, um, he like made her delete some photos, which she later restored just in case she would ever need him. Um, When she was following Howie, he was accepting money from a man who said, this is the last time. And Howie was like, I'll tell. And the guy was like, you wouldn't dare. 
That guy was Stanley Forbes. He's the right age. He has no social media profiles. And Pep remembers calling his name. She'd be like, Stanley. Hey, Stanley. And he'd be like, oh, oh, yeah, huh? He don't ever be answering to his name because he ain't had that name long. And if you recall, Stanley Forbes is the journalist, correct? Correct. That's the freelance journalist that she most recently saw in the cemeteries. Mm -hmm. So their plan is to pretend to be Layla to lure Stanley out of the house. And in Stanley's house, they're going to look for Jamie. So Pippa serves as lookout while Ravi and Connor sneak into Stanley's house. There's something there. What is there? It's Jamie. Oh, hey, Jamie. Hi. Hey, Jamie. We've been looking for you. Yeah, he's alive, you guys. Yay. Yay. Back at the farmhouse, Stanley explains. So Pippa and Stanley are alone now. He's like, a woman started messaging me on a Facebook group. Stay off of Facebook, y'all. He went to meet her, but instead Jamie walks out saying child Brunswick and tried to kill him with a knife. Jamie did. And so he's like, whoa, Jamie, you ain't even about this life. And Jamie was like, you're right. (laughs) You're right. I don't do this. Can I have a cup of tea? (laughs) Your knife's not even facing the right way. Jamie, stop. Stop. Stop, Jamie. Stop trying to kill me. But seriously, all Stanley could think is, please don't kill me. I like my life here. This is the only life I've ever liked. I have friends here. I've never had friends in my life. I just want to move on. Please, please, please don't kill me. I don't want to move again. Scared Jamie may try to kill him. Stanley has been keeping him locked in a room, feeding him. You know, they play uh, old Sega Genesis. I don't know. They began talking uh, one day because they're like friends now, even though he's got to keep him held in that room because he's like, if I let you go, are you going to kill me? And Jamie's like, no, I ain't even about that life. And Stanley's like, I don't know. I I mean, I've been through a lot. I can't really let you go. I don't really know what to do because I ain't about that life either no more. And Jamie is like, "Okay, I'll stay in your basement for a long time until we solve (laughs) your case. Yeah, it's real convoluted (laughs) agreement. So um, they begin talking one night and Jamie is like, Jamie said Layla told him to say child Brunswick. He doesn't even know what that name means. And he's like, I thought I loved Layla. So I gave her $1,200 for her dad's medical treatment. This is all a lie. Um, Of course, she has no dad that needs medical treatment because she don't exist. And then when I found out, that's why he's been borrowing the money, by the way, you guys. Um, And why he needed money from his dad and why he borrowed money from the drug dealer. Jamie's not on drugs. He just borrows money from drug dealers when his dad won't lend him money uh, for his catfish girlfriends. Anyway, (laughs) if you followed that, good for you. So Jamie thought he loved Layla. And so he gave her twelve hundred dollars for this medical treatment for her father. And when he found out he was being catfished, Layla said she had to because she has a stalker and the stalker threatened to kill her because of her relationship with Jamie. So, um. I'm sure he'll go through with it, Layla said. Please, you have to help me. I've narrowed it down to two men. Can you kill one of them for me? (laughs) And Jamie was like, I guess. And so she's like, great. Walk up to him and say child Brunswick. (laughs) (laughs) If he reacts, (laughs) if he reacts, that's the stalker and kill him. Okay, bye. And Jamie was relieved when Stanley knocked the knife out of his hand because he was like, I was in really deep. 
And so they make a deal. Stanley would try to find the real Layla and Jamie wouldn't tell anyone Stanley kidnapped him. (laughs) It's really weird. (laughs) This is like a big hole in the plot of the book. But roll with it, you guys. Pippa promises to keep Stanley's secret and explains that Robbie and Connor are inside his house talking to Jamie. And um, Stanley's like, what? They're in my house. And Pippa's like, yeah, they found Jamie. And he's like, no, Pippa, it's over. My windows are equipped with a silent alarm. Police are on their way. It's over. I'm going to have to move again or I'm going to jail. Suddenly, now it's just Pippa and Stanley. So suddenly they hear shuffling in the darkness. And to their surprise, Pippa's neighbor comes out and is like, hey, I'm Charlie Green, y'all. Hey, Charlie. (laughs) Hey. Yeah, they try to act real normal, like they all in a weird spot. But they like, oh, hey, Charlie. But this is bad and timing, Charlie. Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're in the middle of something. And Charlie, Charlie's like, Pippa, you OK? And she's like, yeah, both Stanley and I are fine. Thank you, Charlie, for asking. We're in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> and Charlie's like, oh, my bad. Um, I got to call my wife, Flora. Pippa, can I borrow your phone? My phone died. And so she unlocks her oh, phone yeah, and she, hands it to him. Here you go. Yeah, here you go. He takes her phone and puts it in his pocket. Oh, and then he says, oh, oh, <laughs> and then Charlie Green says, hey, Stanley, give me your phone, too. Huh? Hmm. <laughs> Pippa's like, wait, what's going on? Mm hmm. Right. It takes her a moment to realize the truth. But Pippa figures it out. Charlie is Layla. What? His, his wife, Flora, has been sexting all these guys when he needed her to. Creepy. Put that away. You'll never need it again. (laughs) Um, When he was seven years old, he and his twin sister, Charlie's twin sister, were playing when an older kid asked if they wanted to play hide and seek, which is just the coolest thing for an older kid to want to play with you. So they were like, yay, we do. They hid and Charlie counted to 60. No peeking. He never found them. He never found his sister. But authorities found her three weeks later, mutilated and burned. For the rest of his life, he's been looking for that kid, that kid that asked him and his twin sister if they wanted to play hide and seek only to have her murdered. Mm. Because three months later, after his sister was found, his dad hanged himself. Charlie was the one to find him after school. His mother then became an addict. Charlie nearly starved. He was then shuffled from one foster home to the next. But Stanley was handed a brand new shiny life from the government. Who was going to help Charlie put his life together? Stanley's doing great in Charlie's mind. And Charlie has lived in 10 different towns in seven years looking for child Brunswick. Flora, his wife, has known that he's wanted to do this since they met, since they were 18. And she's like, I love you. I don't want to lose you to prison when you kill um, child Brunswick. So just have someone else do it, okay? So when they came across Jamie and he said he'd do anything, they were like, yay, we can stay together and just have Jamie do it. Uh, So Charlie then, after making this monologue confession, points a gun at Stanley. And Pippa's like, no, please, Charlie, don't do this. She's crying. She's pleading. Charlie lowers the gun. And then he says, I'm not sorry. What's that Demi Lovato song? Sorry. I'm not sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, he I'm didn't sing it, but, music. you know, kind of like that. He did. He did. He sung it. <laughs> and then he empties the gun into Stanley before fleeing the scene. 
Pippa holds Stanley trying to make tourniquets around his many wounds. It's okay. It's okay, says Stanley. I'm still that man's boy. I'm still rotten. No, you're not, says Pippa. You're good. You're not like him. You're better than him. Then they smell smoke and realize that Charlie has set the entire farmhouse on fire. Coughing with each breath, Pippa drags Stanley out before the carpet lights. But he was already dead. Back at the police station, Pippa is mindlessly signing documents. Don't sign documents, you guys. The police say this is just to rule her out. It is, by the way. Don't worry about it. Uh, but that's going to bother me for the entire series. But, but, but don't worry about it. I've read all these books and it doesn't come up again. So she does sign the documents. Then they ask her questions about Charlie Green because they go back to Charlie's house and him and his wife is like packed up all their stuff and they fled the scene. So they can't find them. The police is like, they real incompetent in this town. Now the police is like, we went to the house and didn't find them. So we may never, never find them because <laughs> they were. We'll just wait to see when they come home. Um, and so Pippa's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because each heartbeat feels like a gunshot. She is truly traumatized. I mean, this man was shot to death right in front of her and she held him while he bled out. Mm-hmm. So every heartbeat in her chest feels like a gunshot. Days later, no one stands up for Stanley because they don't want to be associated with child Brunswick. And Pippa had to plan the funeral all on her own. Even the officers did not attend for fear it would look too political. As she's speaking during the service, a crowd gathers to protest the funeral, screaming, murderer, Charlie Green is the hero. Not in our town. Yay, Charlie Green. Boo, Stanley. That town is fickle. Yeah. And Pippa is like amongst you guys are some of his friends. Like you guys were friends with Stanley. You knew him. How can you do this? And so she just lunges at them because she about it now. Mm -hmm. And some of them are like quote unquote respectable people and look how y'all acting as soon as y'all found out what he did when he was 10 years old I mean what happened to him as a child this is how you choose to react it's disgusting I'm going to fight you all of you and so she thinks she's Cyrano stay tuned for what that means um and so uh Pippa's parents hold her back hold me now hold me back Now Pippa has made it her job to find Charlie and Flora Green. And with every heartbeat, she hears the gunshot for the rest of her days. Well, at least in this book. The end. (laughs) Should we take a break? Please. All right, let's do it. What did you think of Good Girl, Bad Blood? And would you recommend this book? What's your verdict? Mm, I don't know. I don't think I would recommend it. The end was a kind that it was a bit much. There was a lot going on in the end. Too many stories converging. Too many people. It's just... um, It wasn't my favorite as a follow-up to the original, it wasn't my favorite at all. And so I wouldn't recommend it. 
unless you well no I wouldn't recommend it I'm, I'm gonna pass on the recommendation of this book and I wouldn't read it again so my final verdict is to pass on it I just feel like there were way too many characters and too many storylines to to follow it reminded me of um you know Hercule Hercule Pro and I just <laughs> for sure and I just I couldn't it was it was becoming exhausting and I didn't want to take that path so no I wouldn't recommend it how about you Kari would you recommend it? What's yeah. your final verdict? One of my pet peeves in a murder mystery is when a case or character is brought up that the reader does is not privy to. So um, in uh, Murder on the Orient Express, it's that case of the missing little girl mm-hmm. that was killed by the gangster. I didn't like that because that's not something that you've um, that's not a case with which you've edified the reader. So please don't let characters bring it up because then I can't solve the case with the character the character knows more than me so why am I even reading this um and that's how I felt when child Brunswick was brought up Mm -hmm. toward the end of the book no less Mm -hmm. so all of these leads that you're following um in the first three-fourths of the book they're pointless (laughs) because really it all boils down to child Brunswick who you don't even know about until the book almost ends also reading this series you could skip this book and just pick up the third book and you wouldn't really miss anything Mm, this book kind of lives on its own maybe it was a hasty follow-up to a very successful first novel um and I can see that it does ask good questions about justice you see things in Charlie's life versus Stanley's life um they're both suffering but Stanley is handed this new life by the government and Charlie just must figure it out you know and then um, Matt Hastings verdict which the next book we'll dive into more it's like he's privileged wealthy he can get a $400 an hour lawyer and he'll beat a rape case you know what what is this about why did I even ever bring him to the police I should have just I don't know what Pippa gonna do but Pippa's forever changed and that you will see throughout the other books so my final verdict. Yeah, I don't need to. I was bored. And I think that's what I hear in your voice, mm-hmm. too. It's just boredom. Yep. Um, And don't waste my time. Yeah. Like, don't bring up things you didn't talk about already. And use you got a lot of characters already. Yep. Use them. You have some of them people do some stuff. <laughs> don't pick up characters <laughs> from other worlds. So yeah. I would say. um, Huh. I think when I first read it, though, I did enjoy it. But reading it a second time, I was thoroughly bored. You did. I remember you saying it was good. And as I was reading this pages, I was like, I thought she said this was good. Hmm. Yeah, Mm. pass. Yeah. When we read A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, I was just so blown away by Holly's writing. I was like, um, this is so YA. It feels very YA, Mm -hmm. but that's fun. Like, I like it. Um. And I think the only one that died in that book was Andy, kind of. Well, Sal, kind of. But then the dog. The dog dies in the story. So there's still death there. It's still painful, but it's like no people. This is really dark in that a man is shot to death right in front of Pippa. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would recommend that for children. I would say this is like an older teenager's book. And that's fine. I mean, um... But aside from even that, from the violence, I think that it's also probably boring. (laughs) So would I recommend it? I don't know. It's like when I first read it, I think I liked it. So if you just want to read the series, fine. Um, Just know that Pippa's going to take a sharp turn in her character that you may like, you may hate. Um, And uh, um, 
I guess I have to have an answer. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. You can skip it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Read it if you want, but don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that on that. <laughs> and that's on peanut butter and jelly. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to read it ever again. Mm-mm. I guess that's the answer. Yeah. So um, the verdict is a no for Kari and a no for Alexis. So Kari, what are we reading next week? Next week is a wild card episode, you guys, and will also be a video podcast. So stay tuned on the YouTubes and on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, because we will be there covering a streetcar named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Oh, I cannot wait. Yes, we're going to be on the YouTuber. Thank you for listening to Lit Society. We look forward to meeting up with you next week, Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Honoria, that's me, and Kari Herrera. Support hey. the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, along with a comment on Apple Podcasts about why you absolutely love us because we love you too. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society visit LitSocietyPod.com for this month's book list and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter and until next time readers read read something. something